With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And five, four, three, two. And welcome back everyone to Executive Presentation Academy with speaking guru and presentation expert, Rosemarie Barnes. And today we're going to speak about room control. Room control is... There's some obvious things, such as temperature. But what we really want you to focus on in this seg- with this segment is your presentation begins when the audience first starts coming in the door and you're greeting them till the last guest actually leaves the room and you're ready to, to close the room down because it's it, everyone's gone. Okay, so... Thank you again, uh, Rosemary. And th- this one seems like it's going to be a little more intricate than, pe- than what people actually think because they think of room control is, oh, I just ordered the, the right size room to fit my audience. <laughs> and it could be a whole heck of a lot more. It is. It is. And from the point of view of the listener, everything about a res- uh- Presentation is the responsibility of the speaker. The listeners don't care whether you've rented the room or whether the room is free or whether it's everything is the responsibility of the speaker. Uh, Speakers may get direction from the venue or the planner, but we, the speakers, still have to give consideration to things like the seating arrangement. Uh, registration and selling tables, to have a break or not to have a break, how to transition from one topic to another. It's all due to the, the speaker having control over it to some sense. Before a presentation even begins, we have to make sure that our voices and our branding are form a, a nice and complete loop. If our branding is eloquent and formal and uh, all kinds of, of sophisticated, then the listeners have every right to expect that kind of presentation. Right. But to make people, if we are inviting a guest into our home, And if we are giving a presentation, that's what we're doing. We're inviting guests into our space. Just as at home, you don't let people come in the door unnoticed and unimportant. The best thing a speaker can do to get the the start on engaging their audience is to greet them as they come in the door. Ask them questions. For example, what brought you here today? Or what are you hoping to get from today's presentation? Shaking hands is a sign of trust. 
not fist bumping, not even, not even if you're 15 years old, fist bumping is not appropriate for formal presentations. Shaking hands is quite literally getting skin in the game. It's a Absolutely. And, and the more people that you can look in the eye, shake their hand, and even help them find a seat if necessary. Whatever we can do to make our guests more comfortable increases the likelihood of a like, no trust and, and respect relationship to exceed. If we want to make a grand entrance, we still go out and do the greeting because that is worth its weight in gold to make yourself familiar, accessible, and uh, pleasant to people coming in. If you want to make a grand entrance, simply slip away for five minutes before, and yes, you'll sacrifice greeting the latecomers, but then you can appear from behind a, uh, a, a curtain. You can race up the center aisle if you want that kind of energy. We have to do everything we can to make the audience comfortable and fulfill their expectations. Right. The seating arrangement. Let's talk quickly about that. How important is that? Uh, you have no idea how important that is. It is incredible. Now, a lot of this, particularly when speakers are communicating to sell, they don't want people leaving before the very end when they make their fantastic offer. So they deliberately do not put a center aisle in. Long rows without a break in the middle mean that if someone wants to leave because they are no longer interested in what the speaker is presenting, it is far more disruptive for them to get up, wiggle their way down these long aisles and make their way out the door. So speaking to sell, you will find the, the, the seating arrangements very often don't have a center aisle. There are pros and cons to that. Uh, Yes, people will stay in their seats longer, but if they really want to go, then they will start heckling or some other <clears throat> negative thing. Or they will just sit there and, and uh, get out their phones and not pay attention, which bleeds out into the people uh, sitting next to them. There's also uh, safety considerations. Uh, I know we don't like to think about that, but if there's a fire as many exits as you can manage is the safe way to go. So there are pros and cons to the wide rows without a break in the middle. The horseshoe shape is very popular with the, because with the, with the speaker up at the front of that in the, in the open end of the horseshoe, because then the speaker can clearly see all the people. Uh, and certainly you can't use those for, 500 people or so, but in a smallish one, it's good. As long as the speaker remembers not to enter the horseshoe. If the speaker enters the horseshoe, his or her beautiful backside is on clear view to the people that are on the edges of the horseshoe, and now he's lost them. Do not enter the horseshoe. It also has the benefit of allowing the audience to see each other. That causes engagement. The more engagement, the more involvement, the more involvement, the more commitment, the more commitment, the more deals get signed. Absolutely. And if you're there to sell, the there's your end point right there. That's it. 
there's also the things, for example, uh, before the before the program gets started, do you have a registration or a sign-in table? Many do, many don't. It's up to you. If you are looking for uh, contact information and lead generation, many speakers uh, may have a, a drop your business card in the uh, graciously supplied receptacle for a free prize or something like that. And in that way, the speaker also gets the, the business cards and the person holding the cards is the one that holds the power. Then the speaker can reach out and, and contact these people because the card has been given of its own free will. Speaking in the round is the absolute toughest way to do it. Your back is to someone all the time. And for a speaker, that's not what we're looking for. So we then go into the, the straight classroom version where all the rows are nice and solid and neat. And uh, the speaker is up at the front, just like a professor at uh, a lectern or a, a, up at the front of a university theater. And that's good, but it doesn't allow for audience engagement with each other. Room control means that you design the presentation to get the most engagement possible. Because we have to address the three major learning styles, at least, of audio, video, and kinetic, the more engagement we can give the audience with an elbow partner, with a person behind them, in a small group, the better off we are. But that's where room control skills are very important. Before we send an audience off to uh, have a short discussion or uh, do a little exercise with someone else, we have to know how to get them back. One of the most important things that we do is to make sure that the audience knows the callback signal before we send them out to, to speak or engage in some other way. Some people Ding a little bell. You will hear this when it's time to come back. Some people use the tried and true system of just standing at the front and holding one hand up in the air, just like when we were in kindergarten. We are we have learned that lesson so well that even in a room of 5,000 people, that works very well. It doesn't matter what system you use. What matters is that you've thought of it and have shared it. That's very true because you can't say it. Expect people to automatically know something that you haven't actually give them. Exactly. Room control also means knowing that your sound system, if you're using one, is already up and operational. You would never go to a, a formal presentation of any size uh, and have the speaker tapping the microphone to see if it's functioning. Yet, how many professional speakers do that? They don't check their sound until they're ready to present. This is not professional. It already clicks a box that says, mm, not quite as prepared as they should be, which makes you less trustworthy less reliable, and they are less willing to believe and buy in. Check all that, all those things before you get up there. 
to use a mic or not use a mic. Hmm. We've often heard speakers do this too. I have a big voice and I'm sure you can all hear me. No, you don't. I would never rely on that. <laughs> never. I'm theater trained. I'm classically music trained. I can project my voice to the back row as well as anyone can. But that's not the point. The point is that it's for the ease of the listener. And it's up to the speaker to make sure that the listener hears easily, clearly, and without effort. The same way as checking out your space. Ever been to a space that was too crowded or that had pillars in the middle of the room and you've got people in the audience straining to see the speaker because of sight lines? That too is room control. Make sure yes. your seating arrangement matches the venue. You may well want an audience in a horseshoe, but if the venue doesn't allow for that, then you better change your mind and find another way to reach the listeners. If People cannot hear you. They will complain that the lights were too dim. If the lights are uh, not high enough, they will complain that they cannot hear you. Audio and visual are so tightly connected, and it's because we all receive most of our message, not through our words, but through what else we're doing, the tone of our voice, the way our body moves, whether we're wandering around or not. The thing about vocal projection is that very few speakers have had the voice training necessary to clearly and adequately project to all the corners without the voice sounding strident, without sounding like we're being yelled at. No one likes to feel like they're being shouted at. Use a microphone. Even if you think you don't like how your voice sounds through a microphone, it's not about you. It's about the audience. What about things like temperature? I have been to so many presentations where, because it's very hot in the presentation space, the temperature in the room is brought way down. Now, I can understand that from the presenter's point of view. If we're up, up there and we're perspiring through our clothes, that's hardly confidence building. It makes the adrenaline rise, and it makes us uh, go into a little bit of fight and flight, and our brain doesn't work as well. Similarly, if the room is too hot, the audience falls asleep. But be careful. If the audience is having to sit with their mittens on and their toques and blankets because it's so cold in the room for the benefit of the speaker, then, then they're not taking the information that they need out of the presentation. They're sitting there with chattering teeth, thinking of nothing but wanting a hot cup of coffee to warm up their innards. There's a fine line on this temperature thing, uh, and it depends greatly on how much air circulation is in the room, uh, and it depends on uh, the ambivalent noise from outside the room. There's so much of room control that the listeners feel is the responsibility of the speaker. Yes, absolutely. I've I've been in some rooms where your teeth are chattering, and then I've been in been in some rooms that you're so boiling hot that you're nodding off. Yep. And then, oh my goodness! I just said yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll get back to we'll refer back to the previous episode for that one. <laughs> then I, I've seen I've I've seen actually where where the where the stage was so was so warm with all the lights that you could see the sweat circles um, around the collar and the underarms of the speaker. There is more importance to choosing the venue than most people realize. Choosing a venue uh, is the first thing that uh, event planners do, is choose the venue. By its availability, by the adaptability of the space, by what controls are in the space to keep both the presenters and the audience comfortable, choosing the venue is the finest point of room control. If the group is small, it's less, it's less of a problem. The larger the group becomes, the more important the venue, because uh, comfort of the audience is our prime concern. The same way as the use of music works or doesn't yes. work. That, too, is the speaker's responsibility. We've been to presentations, full-day workshops, where right after lunch, we come into the room and there's uh, high-voltage music on. And in some cases, the speakers even arrange for members of the audience to go up on the platform and dance, to get everybody dancing, to work off lunch, and to bring the energy back up. Music is still part of room control. It's also an enhancement, but it is a great tool for room control. The use of music uh, cannot be only the genre that the speaker likes. Be careful when you're choosing music. Uh, a, a strong driving drum beat can be accepted as invigorating or it can be downright repellent. The level of the music is very important. We might think louder is better, but for people with hearing difficulties and you don't know who they are, that can destroy the opportunity for any conversation. If the music is too soft, it becomes just white noise over which we feel must, we must shout to be heard and converse. These things are all part of room control. Uh, breaks. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay. The rule, the rule is that if you are going to have your audience seated for more than 90 minutes, an hour and a half, you have to give them a break. Otherwise, <laughs> via biological needs, people simply take the breaks for themselves. 90 minutes is the limit for their comfort. The trick is to make the second half, if you have to break it, the second half must be shorter than the first. And you have to set very definite parameters as to when you want them to be back, ready to go. That's all the speaker's responsibility and all part of room control. There comes the issue of eating. If you feed them, they will come but so will the noise and the mess and the, the, if you're speaking while the servers are asking if you want tea and coffee, the attention is split. The sound of crinkling, even from the cellophane from crackers 
is is disturbing. Mm -hmm. People getting up in the middle of your presentation to go get a cup of coffee or a croissant, make sure the attention attention leaves you and is more focused on the, the donut over there. That is not to say that food doesn't have an attraction, but please do not speak to people while they are consuming food. It is a distraction and their attention will leave you and go straight to the cheesecake. Not the cheesecake. No. <laughs> no, food, food is something that I use for my own presentations that I usually have food at most of them. Now, there's a couple reasons why I, I have the food there aside from things from growing up, cultural things from growing up. Um, it is also because a lot of times most of our stuff also involves the entertainment industry and they're all used to having the catering trucks come. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we usually have some sort of snack, tea, coffee, and water available um, for, for people. But like you said, I will invite people to go get their snack and then we will start. And then after they've had it, before before the presentation begins is wonderful. Mm. Providing snacks and whatnot at a break is wonderful. I personally tell people or announce uh, five minutes before we're due to begin, finish up your snack and come on back. Right, because you don't want that that like you said the crinkle the cr- the the crumple or the slurping or anything like that while you're actually well, trying to do your presentation. What we want to do is keep distractions from us at a minimum. That brings up the the question of answering questions. Some presenters like to answer questions as they come up. Others prefer to have a question period, and a lot of speakers make the mistake of finishing their presentation and then having a question-answer session. Please don't do that. Put your question and answer session, if that's what you want to do, before your closing. That way, it's your voice that rings in their ears when they leave and not uh, someone else's question. Uh, I see, I've seen this in a lot of rooms, and I actually had because we, um, of course, we also shoot TV shows, um, where the question and answer session, there's always somebody who wants to try to take over the whole entire presentation. Yes, yes. So what you do is part of your room control skills. You tell them very clearly just before I close the presentation. We're going to take five minutes for questions. Whatever amount of time you choose, it doesn't matter, but you choose. And then you watch the watch. You watch the clock. And as you're getting close to the end of your question period, you tell them one more question and we'll get back to the presentation. If there are still hands blobbing up in the air going, pick me, pick me, I have questions, you address that by saying, We didn't get to answer all the questions that you have. I am respectful of your time, so I want to continue now. But please know, at the end of the conversation, I will be in the lobby under the grandfather clock for 30 minutes. 
you're welcome to come and speak with me then. What you've done then is told them that you care, you've told them that you will be available to talk with them, and you've given yourself a timeline. People will agree with anything as long as they know the rules. So tell them the rules. You yes. want to leave yourself a very definite time for leaving the space because otherwise you can be trapped exactly by that individual. Right. I like how, how specific you were with that. You mentioned that a landmark, a specific um, time dimension, and mm-hmm. what, what, and what the purpose of, of it was. Exactly. Yeah. All of this is part of room control. And your presentation hasn't ended until the last guest has left the building. It is still up to you, even after the presentation is over, when you're just answering questions for them to guide the room control. If one person is monopolizing your time and there you've got a lineup of people wanting to speak to you, you very, very politely say, Seems to me like we need a little bit more time to discuss your concerns. Let's give me your card. I will contact you and we will set up a time to address this one-to-one. Now, is, is the, it, there is a danger to that, right? Because, because people are now looking for um, integrity. Yes. So if you take the card... And you tell them that you will contact them. You better do so. If you're really not terribly interested in, consi- in, in cons- continuing the conversation, uh, give your card to them and say, contact me. And then it's up to them to follow up with you. Right. The person holding the other's business card has the control. Right. Exactly. There are even room control even extends to uh, product tables and enrollment tables. You as the presenter cannot be everywhere at the same time. If you are going to have product tables or registration tables for courses, classes, or, or anything like that, you need to have them manned by someone else. You cannot be signing up people for your course at the same time as answering additional questions, at the same time as the the schmoozing, as the same time as receiving congratulations on a job well done. Presenters that have, uh, that are, are requesting additional contact need someone else to be doing that for them. Right. And have to be manned well enough that there aren't long lineups because that gives people time to change their mind. So you have to staff them with one person if you think that's enough and more if it's, if it, if it's going to create an opportunity that people can just get tired of waiting and leave. The other thing that can come up, doesn't happen often, but it can, are hecklers. Someone who really doesn't agree with what you're saying and has no problem in making their case known. It can happen. Something you say, the way it was said, or a controversial topic can spark 
heightened emotions and uh, impulse being what it is, some people feel compelled to blurt it out. The best way to handle that kind of thing is to acknowledge them, uh, give them as much respect as you can, and then offer to discuss the matter privately. If they won't settle down, what you don't want to do is enter into an argument with them or demean them in any way. Thank them for their candor. Again, offer to speak with them. Uh, you, you, you acknowledge them. You thank them. You, you make sure that they know that you care. And then you invite them to speak privately. If they absolutely won't settle, you just say things like, I can see you're very upset and I can see you have a lot of enthusiasm and I can see your concern. This is neither the time nor the place to take up the other people's time, which is valuable. You and I will discuss this later uh, at your convenience. Uh, remembering though, it doesn't happen nearly, uh, it rarely happens as long as the speaker truly has the benefit of the audience in mind rather than being self-centered. Right. So come out from a place of service and you're pretty much minimizing the opportunity for hecklers. That's a very important point. And I think that um, a lot of speakers think that I'm the star and they have to pay attention and, and, and. Mm -hmm. Get out of your own head and understand you're there for their benefits. Now, if you happen to benefit too, all the better, but that's not the point. You are there to show the benefits of working with you or whatever it is you're trying to do to the audience, not for yourself. The day after your presentation is still part of your room control skills. You're the lead generators that you've brilliantly created, either feedback sheets or uh, uh, invitations to connect further or whatever it is that you've done to get the contact information of the people in your audience. What you want to do is send thank you notes. You honestly want to uh, express appreciation for these people's support. They came to hear you speak. They listened to what they had, you had to say. Now, in this, in this day of electronic communication, uh, it, it can be just an email. It can be a mass email if that's what you want to do. But, it, but today, where email is sort of impersonal, many speakers who don't have humongous audiences but nice size have even started sending good old-fashioned thank you cards via snail mail. It's so rare that people marvel at the speaker's uh, willingness to show appreciation. It's always appreciated. Don't overdo it, but always take a moment to thank the audience for being there the day after the event. To, to that point, a, a cautionary thing is, oh, I'm the speaker, I'm the star, they had they they had to come to see me. No, they didn't have to come to see you. They could have done something else that day. 
So a show of appreciation back to the audience in whatever shape or fashion it's done will ensure that, that you have a continued responsive audience. And that's something that people forget. It, and here's the other one that a lot of presenters just fear like crazy is when they have to go in and give a presentation to a group of employees or teams of employees and you know they don't want to be there. They've been mandated by the company. They have to go to this thing and they get there and they've got, yeah, I have to be here fine, but I don't have to enjoy it. It is up to the speaker to engage those people. Absolutely. Even if they don't become engaged, it is still up to the speaker to thank them for not disrupting the rest, if nothing else. And don't say that, but you do thank them for their time. Time is a commodity. We all have, we all have the same. We have 24 hours in a day. How we use it is up to us. Even if it's mandated, even if the boss or the leader has said, thou shalt attend, it is up to the speaker to make it an enjoyable learning experience. Even if we can't do it, we thank them for uh, uh, just showing up. Even if it's only to keep themselves out of trouble, we thank them for their time. Absolutely. And that, that is very important, especially for, the, for those who are mandated to be there. Mm-hmm. Or if it's mandated after work hours that you have to be there. Here's a funny thing. Women prefer to go to presentations outside of work hours. They prefer going on Saturdays. They prefer going because they have childcare then. Men are hard-pressed to attend anything outside of work hours. One of the things you have to understand is that uh, while equality is a prime directive in this day and age, thank you, vive la différence. This is part of the reason of knowing who you are speaking to. Only until you know who your audience is and what their top of mind problem is, can you arrange for a venue and in that way arrange for the right time to get your group to be able to attend. This is all the speaker's room control skills. Right. So... Do you have uh, some specific steps that uh, that our speakers should follow that would lead, uh, of course, onto the Executive Presentation Academy course? Wonderful. The most important thing for any presentation is to make sure that your guests feel comfortable and special. Some people don't want to feel special because it makes them feel like they're being examined. So don't do it that way. Just welcome them or appoint someone to welcome them on your behalf. Make sure they can find a seat. Make sure their comforts and needs are seen to. And don't go overboard, but make sure the guest is comfortable in the venue. During the presentation, make sure they can see you. Make sure they can hear you. Make sure that if you're moving around, you are still engaging the whole audience. Make sure 
that you are doing everything you can to make it as easy as possible for the audience to engage with you. Following the presentation, please be sure that if you want people to have access to you, you tell them exactly where and for how long you will be. You will be there so that uh, if you have to go or uh, you've set a time for it, people will accept any rules you give them as long as they know what they are. Make sure the temperature is set for a reasonable to a reasonable degree to keep both the audience and the uh, presenter comfortable, both for noise and for temperature. The day after the presentation, please send out some sort of acknowledgement that they were there, that they made the effort to come, whether forced or otherwise, and that you will continue to be of service to them should they wish it. Thank you, Rosemary. And for everybody listening, uh, if you want to contact Rosemary for more information about Executive Presentation Academy, please at confidentstages.com or call, what was your... 250-661-0994. I'd love to speak with you. If you have questions, please just give me a call or send me a message. I'm here to serve you. And she really means that. She is here to serve. Thank you, Rosemary. And for those uh, who are listening, we will move on to the next topic when we come back, um, which will be our next episode will be use of space. Now, this one was room control and use of space is going to get into some very different points. So... Tune in next time to the Executive Presentation Academy. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.